Hello and welcome. Is your business your mission and your mission your business? If yes, you found your tribe. Whether you feel like it or not, you are avant-garde, going your own way, making your own path, doing it like no one has done before. And the answers to the challenges you're facing aren't in a book. My friend, you are not alone. This is the Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Trisha Bailey, a mission-minded serial entrepreneur and traveler. My purpose on this earth is to use my authenticity and passion to equip and empower social entrepreneurs to live in their highest calling, feeling freedom, fulfillment, and security, and inspiring others to do the same. Join me for stories, tips, and tricks for taking avant-garde inspired action in your business so that you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. I believe it doesn't have to be hard to be right. Welcome to episode 40 of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I am so glad you're here today with me, my friend. This is a historic day. We are getting into the 40s of the number of episodes of the podcast as well as the YouTube channel. And I am sharing it with an incredibly special friend, mentor, and cheerleader in my life, and someone that I dream of collaborating with in the future, Dr. Jim King. Dr. King is a walking genius and an expert on microenterprise development, cultural impacts on business, and using IT to facilitate change for good. He's been a professor for 30 years. That's three decades of seeing what's coming down the pike. For my avant-garde entrepreneur friend in your 20s, he sensed not only the opportunities in your future, but he had a hand in creating them. How incredible is that to be able to learn from someone with so much experience and so much insight? Dr. King has supervised micro, small, and medium uh, mission-focused entrepreneurs using business to help people lift themselves to a better way of life. He specializes in guiding impact social and missional entrepreneurs in community and economic development, creating education and healthcare systems, as well as addressing acute hunger and poverty. I met Jim back in September 2019 at the Businesses Mission Conference in California. I was still in school and, um, you know, I I had just passed my comprehensive exams and I started my dissertation sequence and I don't really like group events, but I really wanted to go and meet people and hear what was happening and learn what the needs of missional entrepreneurs were. So I went. Though I had much more experience and probably fit more in like the business track or the sponsor track, I signed up for the academic track since I was an up and coming academic. And that's how I met Dr. King. That was that. He introduced me to all the other professors and researchers and many of the other missional entrepreneurs and coaches. He made connection for my research to be published in the business's mission repository, gave feedback on my website, and encouraged, supported me all the way through the launch of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Academy in August 2022. I can say for certain that if it weren't for seeking the advice and guidance of the academics at the Business's Mission Conference, I would not be here today helping you. And Dr. King is the root. Today, I consider us all so fortunate that we don't have to go to Texas 
in the United States and sit in Dr. King's classroom to learn from him. He's come to us speaking real truth about impact entrepreneurship and what lies ahead and how you can position yourself to change the world. So enjoy this episode in the second part interview with Dr. Jim King. Just getting started. My beneficiaries have so many needs. I'm barely feeling like I'm afloat and scattered stuff all over the place. What do impact entrepreneurs need to do to start positioning themselves to adapt to this trend and to eh, take advantage of it, let's say? I'm going to say the first thing that they need to consider is what would they do if it was not an impact enterprise? Hmm. And I don't mean to sound anti-impact enterprise, but again, I, I take students around the world and and we we run into our most common type of enterprise to help is a for-profit extension, for-profit subsidiary, for-profit whatever that has come out of a not-for-profit. So the people that have built the for-profit have the hugest hearts. They care so much about people and they have come up in church training or theological training or social work training, but they have come up where they really focus on the other people's hearts and welfare and have very, very, very little experience in running a sustainable business. Mm-hmm. So that's really the first thing that most people in any of these enterprises should should be concerned about is if I can't run a sustainable enterprise, the doing good goes away. Mm, yeah. And I don't want the doing good to go away. So what do I do to make this a sustainable enterprise? And if I'm coming out of a realm that hasn't taught me about financial issues, managing people issues, managing processes in a business, understanding how all of those things work together. In other words, manage. Mm -hmm. If I don't have those kind of skills, I've got to have those skills. I at least need to have someone to help manage the business stuff so they can talk to a finance person. They can talk to a human resources person. They may, they may not be big enough to have all these individual kinds of people, but they still have to have those roles played. Mm-hmm. And unless you can manage the business side of it, the chances of being sustainable are pretty low, quite honestly. And we see and hear about the large charity types of organizations that have millions and hundreds of millions of, of at least U.S. dollars donated a year to keep them going. But to be honest, most enterprises that would be impact social or businesses mission are not that size. They are not at that scale and they don't have that kind of reputation. And those that can't run a sustainable business end up not running at all. And that costs impact. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, I think that uh, if you don't have the ability to do the business stuff, you've got to get that built into the enterprise. And quite honestly, from the get go, it doesn't need to be a patch uh, later on. If you don't have it, we'll patch. Yes. But, it is really hard to change an organization's direction 
without new blood. Mm-hmm. You've worked with social uh, impact entrepreneurs for several years now. They're all around the world. You see the trends. You know what needs to be done for you know where how people need to adapt. What would you say if if we talk about the the concept? I don't know who the famous person was that said success leaves clues. What are some of the things that successful impact business owners do? What are their patterns and habits? And when I say successful, I mean, you know, success is relative, but people who have a business that is viable and they're generally, you know, you they kind of have their stuff together. They kind of have the balance of a family life and a strong social mission, but the, and the business is also making money for the long term. Can I have two answers? Yes, you can. <laughs> okay, because they're they're a little bit different, but they go together. Mm-hmm. Okay, the first answer is really more of kind of like the physical steps. And for whatever reason, we tend to disparage people that we call dreamers. And I think that's very sad because I think it is dreamers that have changed the world. But it's not all dreamers that change the world. A lot of us dream about a lot of things that never happen. But I think I think the types of businesses that we have in Impact Social Businesses Mission, I think that it is not just a dream. It's a dream they believe in. Mm-hmm. And dreaming is one thing. Being all in is different. And the first step in being all in is believing that that is what you're supposed to do. And then you you start having more of the the business type stuff. Once you once you believe then you got to you really have to develop good plans. Mm-hmm. And it is people plans, it's process plans, it's financial plans. But you have to make sure that you have put that 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 dream that has that you believe in on paper, so to speak. Mm-hmm. All right. And because it's hard, not it's not just hard to implement dreams, it's hard to assess the implementation of dreams if you don't have a plan to compare against. So it's like this is what we plan to do, this is what happened. What does that tell me? Because a lot of things that you plan are not going to work out exactly like you planned. But the the wisdom is gained from figuring out why. Why did some things work? Why did some things not work? How do we move forward? Adapt. And if you truly believe in that dream that you have planned, don't quit. Mm-hmm. And that's hard especially if you don't have the financial stuff built in for the long term. Mm-hmm. You know, in actually have class in about an hour or so, okay? And later on in the semester, they are going to hear, it is not just startup cost that you have to, to worry about in the financing. And it isn't even just the the sustaining of the business. For example, in businesses mission, you know, our goal is to touch as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, to do that, the word scale 
comes into effect. And that is a totally different financial consideration than startup is. But you have to have all of that planned and assessed, find the wisdom from what went right and what went wrong, change, adapt, and don't give up if you truly believe it's what you're supposed to be doing and how you're supposed to be doing it. Mm -hmm. That kind of takes me into part two. No matter which of these types of businesses we're talking about, I think that we also have to, we have to be prepared to do what I just told you. Mm -hmm. I think that in order for us to dream the right dreams, in order for us to be able to believe in those dreams, I really believe we have to know how we are built. I think we have to understand what I would call gifts. What is built into us that makes us be able to do certain things and also discern our passions? What does our heart really care about? Because those gifts and those passions are what help develop those dreams in the direction that we can believe in. Because if we don't understand ourselves and we don't have the passions for something, then we're just dreaming. Mm-hmm. And and we are not going to have the kind of belief that my previous line of thought uh, was talking about. And in my world here at this university, we talk, we, we call it your calling, you know, the, your gifts and your passions coming together to do what you're built to do. Why was I built this way? What is it for? And that's when those dreams start kicking in. And you can believe, uh, like I do, in a higher power, bringing those to your your mind and giving you the strength to believe in them. But wherever that's coming from, you have got to understand that or you're just dreaming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. As I listen to you and I think about that, you know, when we think about the dreaming concept and the not quitting concept, Having all the stuff in between that you mentioned, your faith, knowing your gifts is so important because most of the time, unless I'm an anomaly, things didn't go as I planned. You know, where I am now, I never dreamed I would be here. And I think that for a lot of people in business, you can have dreams, but then, and you can, you can write them out, but then things shift in a trajectory or go a different direction. And that is sometimes causes people to want to quit or to doubt themselves. And it's so critical having that connection with your higher power, knowing your gifts, knowing your why, because that's what keeps people from not quitting when things don't go the way that they think that they are supposed to according to their their dreams. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Absolutely. So you see people come in as uh, impact entrepreneurs, you see them in the classroom and you you watch them as they are becoming who they're going to become. And you you have a, a tremendous database of students to consider from over the years. What are some of the qualities or traits that you see when a person, you know, when they have that calling, when they know they have the calling and whenever you can see that they have the calling versus some who might think they do, but don't necessarily. One word for sure 
comes to mind is bigger than the four letters that make up the word. So I'll, I'll explain what I mean. They seem to care differently. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily accept everything they read in their book. They don't necessarily accept everything that I say. And they care to know why. Mm-hmm. And that's the first signal to me that someone has more potential than the average. And it's because they, they are really seeking to understand as opposed to give an answer on an exam. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm talking from the academic perspective, but that's also life. You know, we, we know a lot of people that step through life according to whichever step is on the floor that they're supposed to step on to get to wherever they think they're supposed to go. And just like you mentioned, somebody's going to put a chair right in the middle of those steps, and then you have to go around, and do I go right, do I go left? Well, maybe on that example, that's not a big deal. But if you're in an impact enterprise, if you're a business's mission type of person, it really is critical that you care about the why mm-hmm. you do things. And I think, I, I honestly think that caring about something, I know that when we talk about care, it's like our hearts caring about people. I don't, I don't mean it just that way. I actually mean I care to know, I care to understand mm-hmm. why. Because mm-hmm. if you, if you can understand that, then it, it guides you in being more understanding, more discerning. I believe that that, I, I think that caring to know why is how I differentiate. Yeah. And when we look at the issues that we're dealing with, you must care to know why. When we are looking at systemic poverty, lack of education, homelessness, hunger, yeah, you have to care about knowing why if you're going to make a difference. Well, and if you don't care to understand why, you're not even going to understand what that those things are. You're not going to understand why they happen. You're not going to understand. I'll save something, but it, but this is, this is related to how I want to finish life. Okay. And when we get there, just remind me about this because that's, it's, I will not sit in the chair I'm in in my office much longer. Mm-hmm. And so, and my bosses know that this isn't going to be like a revelation if they, if yeah. they happen to watch this on, <laughs> yeah. online. But, uh, there are things I want to do because of what I've been doing and mm-hmm. those that, that are just like you. I mean, I got tingly feelings in my arms when you mentioned at the very beginning that, you know, you, or looking forward to getting to collaborate. Mm-hmm. I so want to do that also ever since we met uh, at, at that dinner, especially and got to talk and, and because there are people like you that are grabbing spaces of my future life. Mm-hmm. I don't hunt. I don't fish. And I'm a horrible golfer. And you so, live in Texas. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so uh, I got to have something to do when I'm not sitting in this chair. <laughs> And I believe that I've, I've been given not just friends like you, but uh, collaborators of the future mm-hmm. like you. And so we'll talk about that in a moment. But 
but the the caring to know why mm-hmm. is what differentiates people in my mind. Yeah. You can make a hundred on an exam and still not be the person I would recommend. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And that's so important. Straight A's never made anybody rich. And I mean that rich in wisdom or rich in money or rich in joy, because it goes back to just because you can answer something correctly doesn't mean there's there's a lot more behind it than that. Yes, ma'am. Um, so on kind of on the contrary, what would you say are some of the places that you see people get tripped up? Let's say they've got the heart, they've got the calling, you know it, they know it. What are some of the things that cause them to get tripped up and how could they avoid it? I anticipated this and it really doesn't didn't take a lot of brain wrecking to to come up with two answers. Okay. Is I think the lack of discernment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they really haven't figured out why they're built the way they are. They may have a sense of calling, but they don't understand how each of those pieces of them contribute to that calling. They don't, they have not developed a passion. They haven't, they haven't gained an understanding of how they should be using those gifts. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think the lack of discernment is Mm -hmm. really the, the most likely initial stumbling block Mm -hmm. for most people. Again, they may have a dream and they may grab somebody's money to go get something started. And again, we can come back to the why, but if they don't know why mm-hmm. that's happening, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. The second one happens to even those that do discern. And it happens way too much. And it is listening to the naysayers, listening to the people that don't understand why, listening mm-hmm. to people that don't have the same calling people that think they know better than you, that they know more than you, that haven't had that dream, that haven't spent hours and hours and hours drawing the plans up, that haven't lived through doing those activities and those processes that went wrong. They just see something went wrong. You made a mistake. You shouldn't have ever done it. I'm not saying that they're wrong, but until you have assessed why what happened happened in relation to what you planned to happen. Don't listen to what I call naysayers. Mm -hmm. And it could be people say, no, you shouldn't do that or no, you shouldn't have done that. But either way, it is not their call. Mm -hmm. Now, the caveat is if you're using their money You do have something to say to them, but that should be built in from the front, not at the end. Mm -hmm. And your responsibility to them is for the long term in any of these kind of enterprises, because we're not just looking at short term return, no matter how you value what you're doing. We're not looking at short term on any of these. If we're impact, if we're social uh, enterprise, if we are business admission, we're looking long-term returns in whatever values we're looking for. So that should be built in from the beginning. 
and don't let their knee-jerk reaction to a negative event and don't have your own negative knee-jerk reactions as well, but you cannot let the naysayers drive what you do. You Mm -hmm. have to let your belief in the dream and the plans you developed and the assessing of why things turned out determine how you respond. Mm-hmm. And that all connects with your your faith and your belief and knowing that you're in it and knowing why you're in it. It's amazing. This episode is brought to you by Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Foundations, where you can go from contemplation to clarity in just six weeks. How incredible does that sound? By learning to tap into the superpower of your spirit, you'll feel refreshed in your mind, certain of your mission, and inspired in your business. Go to trishabaileyphd.com forward slash A-G-E-F dash waitlist for more details. You can also find the link here in the show notes. So many people get stuck by the naysayers. So many people. And so, and that I think is in all fields and in all ages, phases of life. So that's specifically good wisdom for avant-garde entrepreneurs. I'm going to ask one more question from a wisdom perspective, and then I want to learn uh, people to listen, learn a little bit more about you. So late teens and 20s of our lives, this is universal. I've lived it and I've seen it. They are a time of both confusion and discovery. And as a professor, you've worked with thousands of people in this stage of your life during this pivotal time. If you could give advice to them, what would be the one thing that you would say that you hope, like, if they can just get this thing, if this really sticks, their life would be so much easier, so much better? What would that be? I don't know if easier is going to work here. Yeah, that's true. Nothing is easy in life. (laughs) I I am guessing any social entrepreneur that's listening is going, what the heck is she talking about? (laughs) There's nothing easy. (laughs) Easy? Yeah. So I don't know that it's easier, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to, I'm going to be careful how I say what I say because I mean it from the heart and in no political way. And I don't mean just in the United States, not political way. I mean anywhere in the world. This is not a political statement. But what I will tell you is regardless of from where you come, Mm -hmm. from whatever the circumstances are, no matter how well you have been included or how poorly you have been included, no matter how you have benefited or not benefited, from the world around you. You can control your future if you understand how you're built, why you're built that way, and you listen to the directions that are being put on your heart from wherever they are coming. We have socioeconomic situations that advantage and disadvantage. We have parental advantages and disadvantages. 
We have educational advantages and disadvantages. And for the most part, a 19 and 20-year-old cannot change any of those in their previous 19 or 20 years. And yet, those 19 or 20 years do not have to define their future. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's honestly why I still work with freshmen even. I think that they are still the most moldable. And I actually work with freshmen that are interdisciplinary. I mean, they're from all over campus, but most of them are actually first-generation university students because I want every student to not just hear me say, but develop that belief that they were built to do something special. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to exclude that they are meant to be accountants and human resources professionals and the next best IT guru of all time. I don't want to discount that at all because that is part of understanding why you have been built. But then it's also knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can affect others in very positive ways with who you were built to be. And that does not depend on those previous 19 or 20 years. It depends on what step you take next and what step you take next and what step you take next. And so for me, it is, is understanding how you're built and why you're built that way. Wow. I wish somebody would have told me that. <laughs> my life me, would have been better too. and easier. <laughs> my, my dad wanted me to be a dentist. Okay. So. <laughs> oh, thank God you didn't follow that path. <laughs> oh my gosh. So Jim, you've had three decades molding young people and having a major role in shaping the education from an administrative standpoint, developing programs. Let's talk a little bit more about you. I, I know sometimes it's hard to separate your career from yourself because it's all interchangeable. But what are you most excited about now and for the next few years? It's kind of a dual-edged sword mm -hmm. because I, I know that for these decades that I've been in the university, that my primary reason for being here is students mm -hmm. and helping them understand how they're built and why they're built that way. And, and so I, I can't say I'm not a little nervous about in the majority way, <laughs> leaving that behind. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I've also been really, really blessed. Uh, I, I think that you know me and you even articulated in the introduction a little bit about what I'm about to say, but I think the biggest blessing to me uh, has been to be built more like a connector mm -hmm. than maybe an actual doer, an actual builder of things, maybe helping build people, but not businesses, uh, but connecting this person to that person because they don't know each other and they really ought to know each other. Mm -hmm. And also connecting corporate 
individuals to my students. I, that's probably my, my, one of my greatest joys is seeing a student get on. In fact, I had a lengthy conversation yesterday with a young lady that's worked with me for two years and she's already lined up her internship for next summer because of the connections she made this summer because of things she did last summer and the travels that she's done. She went with me to both Ecuador and Morocco and, and just that you can tell, I mean, I get excited about that kind of connection, but it also has been a great opportunity to meet you and anti-human trafficking people and anti-social poverty people and a couple of new friends that, uh, that are, uh, they even wrote a book related. uh, They, they didn't write the book because of our university, but our university's new branding is live on purpose. And, and, you know, if, if, if that in the subtitle of their, of their uh, book, I had to pull it out because I didn't want to get it wrong. Uh, powering profit with purpose. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, m- for me, I always anticipated fearing leaving what I felt I was doing with a calling. Mm-hmm. The last year or so has empowered me to actually understand I'm actually going into my calling just in a different way as opposed to leaving it behind. And I know that I have been gifted you. I have been gifted with, with people in different countries, also the U S probably my, my most excitement is in helping to promote enterprises around the world that are helping young, particularly young women that have been marginalized and left behind to uh, gain tech skills. Mm-hmm. Every survey you see coming out anywhere is that the, the safe majors are in tech and health sciences. Mm-hmm. Uh, but someone that has grown up disadvantaged, marginalized, refugee, um, those populations don't have a snowball's chance. Mm-hmm. In any of those areas, unless someone is helping them develop the skill sets. Uh, when we were in Morocco in May, I had heard about but had not encountered a group called DigiGirls. And DigiGirls is actually university young ladies that are mentoring pre-university age young ladies to help them get tech skills, particularly programming skills. And the, these university young ladies are actually being mentored by professional ladies in IT. And to hear them is like hearing myself talk because they are so passionate about helping these young ladies step out of the circumstances their previous lives put them in and empower them to change the direction of not just their lives, their future family's life, but also their existing family's life. And I cannot tell you how excited I am to work with a couple of folks in that realm. But there are a couple of folks I plan on working with in uh, the anti-human trafficking realm. And they're, they're actually about 10 realms. 
that I have different different peoples that uh, I want to I want to share the calling with in these specific areas to help empower those that are not only in those areas, but to help those that are dreaming Mm -hmm. of doing that, believe that it is something that can be done in a sustainable way and help them understand how that can be. Mm -hmm. And so I'm actually really excited about moving out of the chair I'm in. Mm -hmm. I'm not scared. I don't really know exactly. It's, you know, I plan on it being under the banner of Change University because I, I believe all of these groups are change agents. And the cool thing, I, I said, you know, I believe that I connect people well. I've already, DigiGirls is already now connected to five other groups mm-hmm. like them around the world. And because I've been blessed with the contacts in those arenas. And, and so, I can't tell you how excited I am, even though I don't know for sure how it's all going to play out yet. I've given my bosses, <laughs> this is probably not fair to them, but I've given them one to three year window. Mm-hmm. So I don't know when they need to start recruiting for a replacement, but <laughs> probably a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I am, I'm just thoroughly excited about moving into the next realm of how to make a difference on how to have impact. And I love to read, but these days I love to read those things that are helping shape where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage your your listeners to mm-hmm. to do that also, even if they're not big on reading. They've got your podcast. This is a encouraging thing, and I know podcasts are are hot. Mm-hmm. So find however you can learn about how to go where you need to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, it's the reading and the the talking with people like you in my life. And uh, there is never enough time. And so, you know, that's probably my biggest uh, need is how do I get to where I need to be? Mm-hmm. So, so I'm, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to figure that yeah. out. I'm trying to, I believe it, absolutely believe it. And I've actually put some of it on paper. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of following my own my own sermon here. So the next thing will be actions. So you'll be getting a call. Okay, I'll be ready. <laughs> well, I'm going to put uh, two links in the show notes. One is for Dr. King's LinkedIn so that you can connect with him so he can connect you with others because he is a fabulous connector. And then also I'm going to put the link to change you in the show notes as well, because while we didn't talk a lot about that, we talked specifically, we talked about kind of where it's going in the future. And I think that it's going to continue to evolve as Dr. King takes some time and gets some headspace and some quiet space to dream and to, and to keep writing and seeing how that, seeing how that evolves. So Dr. King, so much wisdom. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And I am so grateful for all the lives that you've impacted over the decades of teaching. And I'm even more excited that you're taking that out from behind your desk out into the world and we'll be able to connect with people in a whole different way. Well, thank you. You you honor me so much 
by having me here because I respect you and what you do so much. And I'm excited that your listeners get all your episodes. You're into the thirties, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And I can't tell you how, how much it means to me for you to even ask. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. If you go to Dr. Jim King's LinkedIn, you will see that the banner says the world doesn't have to be what it is. Change the story. Dr. King is changing the story, and I hope you will be empowered to keep doing the same. Thanks, Tricia. Thanks for listening to this episode of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I hope you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. If you enjoyed what you heard, share it with a friend. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it here on your podcast player. Questions, comments, or feedback? Connect with me directly at trishabaileyphd.com or on social at trishabaileyphd. Now, you go and get back to making the world a better place. I'll see you back here soon.